morning, everyone. Welcome to Whitburn Pentecostal Church today. If you're joining us live, welcome uh, on the live stream. Great to have you with us. And I just hope that you can stay tuned in all the way through today, uh, to the end. And uh, yeah, it's good to be together. It's good to be in God's house. Good to see each other. And uh, so just I want to uh, offer a warm welcome to everyone. Just uh, as, a, as a way of reminder, uh, we are in the process of this whole coronavirus and all of the restrictions that it's bringing. Um, so it's good that we're able to meet together. I'm hoping that we're able to continue to do that. Um, but it is something that we're monitoring as uh, time goes by. Um, you'll know if you've been watching the news that things are changing all the time. So it is something we just need to be uh, aware of all the time and, and continually monitoring. So we're doing that. And uh, just to remind everyone, um, online as well, uh, we'll send out an email just to remind everyone that you do need to book to be here, ideally. Um, so when I send Brendan uh, the, the list of all the people who've booked, there's usually a whole bunch of names missing from it that we'll expect to arrive anyway. If I can encourage you to book in, it just helps us to uh, get the, the seats uh, ordered um, because... Um, you know, we need to get people sat down in, in the, the, the clusters or individuals, um, whoever uh, is coming. And uh, also when we play songs uh, from the front here, uh, you'll notice that it's only uh, Steve that's singing. Um, we are allowed to have somebody lead from the front, um, but we're not allowed to have congregational singing. So just a reminder about that. And we do need to be masked up. Um, I will say, though, if there are people who can't wear masks, and that includes those who are maybe tuning in online today, um, if, if that's something that you're struggling with, just let us know. Uh, we do have visors which we can pass on to people and get you seated somewhere um, that's you know as far away from all the, the kind of traffic as possible. So that's, that's all the announcements for today. Um, if anybody's got any questions, please feel free to ask. You know, email me. Uh, you've got my email. And, uh, yeah, here we are. Welcome. Is everybody ready to, to be in church today? Good. I need the, the, the audio feedback because the facial feedback is hidden underneath, <laughs> underneath your mask. Uh, I was saying to Linda this morning when she came in, it's nice to see you. Well, part of you anyway. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this is, this is a reality for a little while. We need to remember that this is a, a time of transition, a time of change. We will come out the other end of this. This church will have all the seats out again and we will be packing in on a Sunday. It will happen again. It's just going to take a bit of time for us to get there. Let's just pray and then we're going to say uh, the Lord's Prayer together. Steve's going to lead us uh, in song that we're going to take communion and uh, really just focus on Jesus today because he's the reason that we're here. He is the glue that binds us all together. He is the one who stands in between us and joins us as Christians together. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he has come into this world. And Father, he became like us in order to do that. He, he came as a baby into this world, lived, experienced the things which we experience. He knew what it was to, to experience emotions and pain and hunger and upset and anger and all of these different things that we experience as we live our lives. He understands that. He has experienced these things too. And Father, we just thank you that Jesus uh, stands uh, 
in your presence and is able to pray on our behalf with that knowledge and with that understanding. We thank you for that, Father. And Lord, we just give you praise, we give you thanks, we give you honor. And Lord, we, we just want to, to come and acknowledge how great you are today. Father, we thank you too for the Holy Spirit who lives within us and the, the fact that the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf with sighs and groans that are too deep for words. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for that incredible reality that you live within us, and it's just incredible. We thank you for that honor and privilege that we have as Christians of knowing you. And Father, we've come today to worship you. We've come to lift up the name of Jesus in your house today, in your church. Father, I thank you for everyone who's here today in person. I thank you for all those who've joined in online as we stream the service today. Father, I thank you for those who will watch this service perhaps later uh, and watch the recording. Lord, we just pray your blessing in every household, every family. Lord, we pray that you'd have your way amongst us, that you would do your work in us and that you do your work through us as well. And Father, we just thank you for all the, the technology and the ways that we're able to connect uh, with people. We thank you for uh, all the online tools that we have. And Lord, we just pray that you'd help us to use these things creatively and wisely. Lord, bless us as we come to worship you today. Bless us as we open up uh, our, our mouths to say the Lord's Prayer today. And so we pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Let's just worship God as we sing together. Well, as Steve leads us in singing, <laughs> bear in mind what I said right at the start. <laughs> but we can sing and make music in our hearts. Let's worship God. It's force of habit, eh? It is force of um, habit. You know, we've been uh, praying midweek in the prayer meetings, and uh, uh, we're, we're praying that miracles uh, would happen. And, and we're gonna, I'm going to sing that um, just in light of that, that uh, we believe that miracles can happen in his name. We really do as a church. Uh, we believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that there's nothing impossible to Him. And so that I know that you all know the words of this song, but it's it really just highlights, I think, where we're at as a church, that we, a lot of people need God to just meet with them and do something in their bodies.
Father, we just thank you that nothing is impossible for you. And Father, just as we were bringing the sick before you on uh, Wednesday night, Father, we continue to uphold them uh, to you. And uh, Lord, we're just believing that you will do great things. And Father, every, every person who's sick is an opportunity for a demonstration of your power. Um, Lord, we love these people and we would love to see them uh, healed. And, and so, Father, we just lift them before you again. Uh, today all those who need a touch from you in this church who are sick father all those who are struggling father we know that we live in difficult and challenging times and father we know that many are struggling and lord we just pray that you come by your spirit and that you'd empower us and that you bring healing into not only bodies but into minds and into hearts as well father our heart's desire is to to just know you more and, and father we just pray that as we come in these moments and as we take uh, bread and wine which remind us of of jesus of that uh, body which was broken for us that blood which was shed for us father we just pray that you come and that you meet us in this moment lord help us to remember uh, all that jesus has done for us and father we just pray that as we come together that we would experience christ in the middle of us father I've just said that at the start he is the glue that joins us together he is the reason that we gather, whether in person or online or, or whatever we're doing in our small groups and prayer gatherings during the week. Father, all these things, you're the reason that we gather together. And Father, you're the one who uh, brings us and glues us and joins us together. And Lord, we just pray that in, the, in these moments where we take communion, Father, we pray for uh, just that ability to examine our hearts and to make sure that we're in the right place before you to take communion father we just pray for the unity of the body of christ father we think of that body of his which was broken but lord we think about the church which is the the body of christ and lord we, we pray that it would be joined together in unity and father that your church might be uh, just an unstoppable force in this world a force for good and so, Father, we just pray, lead us and guide us in our thoughts and our hearts and meditations in these moments. I'm going to take communion um, in just a minute or two. I'm just going to read a few verses from Psalm 22. And it is one of these messianic psalms. And as we read the words of Psalm 22, we understand what it's talking about because we're able to look back in time, we're able to look back in history. But the writer at the time would have had maybe no idea of what he was writing. And it says here in verse 1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Familiar words. If we've read the account of the crucifixion, we, re we read that Jesus cried out those words. Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning. What an incredible thing to say. Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, and I'm not silent. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. And you, our fathers, put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. And in verse 6 again, we reflect on these words. As Jesus may have reflected, he would have been familiar with the psalm. He would have been, he would have been able to recite the psalm probably uh, by heart. 
but I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. A reflection on what we read in Isaiah 53 uh, just last week. All who see me mock me and hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Does it sound familiar? As we've read the account of the crucifixion, we see this taking place. And here it is written down hundreds of years beforehand. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Then down to verse 12, it says, Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me, roaring lions tearing their prey, opening their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. And we read, <laughs> as we read these words, we think of Jesus, and we think of what he suffered and went through for us. Just exactly as we read here, my heart has turned to wax as it melts within me. My strength is dried up, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. It's incredible when you read these words to think that this was written hundreds of years before it happened. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. The writer of the psalm was writing prophetically about what would happen to the Messiah, what, what would happen to Jesus when he died on that cross and the things that led up to that and the things that happened after that. Incredible that these were written all those years ago. And here we are, almost the same distance on the other side of those words. The writer of the psalm was probably as far in the past from that event as we are in the future <laughs> from this event. Maybe not quite... Um, and we look back in it and we say, wow, Jesus did all this for me. He did this. He accomplished this for me, for us. And we think about that. And we think about our circumstances that we face today. And we think, my goodness. It just pales into insignificance what we experience sometimes compared to this. We know that there are people in the world who are experiencing persecution uh, for the sake of their faith. Um, but as we take communion today, let's take a moment to remember what the Lord Jesus went through for us. Let's take a, a moment to remember the body of Christ, which includes our brothers and sisters in this room, those who are gathered online, but it includes those right across our world who suffer persecution as well. And let's just take a moment to consider the body of Christ as well. We're going to take uh, communion. We're going to take the bread together. Um, it is a little bit tricky to open the first part. Um, my advice always is just get prepared make sure the top part's halfway off um, it's just a lot easier so we're going to take bread together uh, we're going to pray and take bread together then we'll pray and we'll take the wine together as well so let's just get ready to, to take communion Father, in everything, we, we just want to experience you. We want to experience your presence when we gather, when we're gathered online, when we gather to pray together, when we gather in our families, when we gather around our tables. Lord, when we go out and we do our, our jobs and go to school and go to university and college and do all these things, 
Father, we want to experience your presence. And Lord, we just ask that that would be our experience day by day. Father, we take these uh, symbols, they are just symbols, to remind us of the body of Jesus which was broken, the blood of Jesus which was shed. And Lord, we pray that we would experience your presence in this moment and perhaps a new way for some of us. Lord, we, we know that by his stripes we are healed and Lord, we believe there's something significant in, in the process of that self-examination and that considering of Jesus and considering one another. And so, Lord, as we take this bread, help us to remember that his body was broken for us. But, Father, help us to remember that the body of Christ lives in this world today, the church. And, Father, that there are members of the church who are suffering and struggling because of their adherence to the gospel. And so, Father, we pray for them, and Lord, we ask that you would bless them today. Lord, that you would come into their experience today in a new way. And Father, as we take this bread, help us to remember, Lord, this is just a symbol, but it reminds us of the reality. And uh, so, Father, we just thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his body, which was broken for us. And uh, Lord, we just take these symbols to, to remind ourselves of that in his name. Amen. Let's take the bread together. Father, we just think of the, the words from Isaiah 53 where it talks about Jesus being a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And Father, we just thank you that he understands the very depths of our pain as well, that he is able to identify it, is, is familiar with the things which uh, we struggle with. Father, whether it's emotional, physical, or, or spiritual, Father, we just thank you that we have a saviour we have in it, someone who intercedes and prays for us that understands. Lord, sometimes we feel misunderstood, but Lord, help us to remember that he understands and knows us intimately. And so, Father, as we take the wine, Father, help us to remember the, the blood which was shed for us. Father, to remember all that he has accomplished for us. Let's just take the, the wine together. Father, we, we, we just thank you that in him is life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Father, through his death, we experience life. And uh, Lord, we are just so grateful for that. Lord, we thank you that we can live because he lives. Think of that song that we sing, that old hymn. Sometimes we sing it, Father, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. And Father, we just thank you that we have a hope 
a living hope in Christ. Father, we thank you that he didn't stay confined to the grave, but on the third day he rose. Father, he appeared to the disciples and to so many people. Lord, your, your word records that he even appeared to 500 people at the one time. Father, that he gave us a mission. And Father, we pray, help us to grasp hold of the mission which he has given us. Father, to be salt and light in this world. Father, to be a force for good. Father, to make disciples out of all nations, baptizing, teaching. And Father, help us to keep doing that and to keep doing that and to keep doing that. And Father, we pray that in the process of doing what you've asked us to do, that you would change us, that we would become more like Jesus ourselves. And so, Father, we just thank you. We thank you for these moments where we can come together and just be in your presence and be in the company of one another. And Lord, we just pray your blessing on the rest of this service. Father, as we turn to your word in a moment, Lord, we pray that you would speak to us through that. Father, may our, our spiritual eyes and ears be open to hear what you want to say to us today. May we be really attentive and attuned to your Holy Spirit's voice today. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Okay, okay. Um, not many announcements today, but it was encouraging just to be praying for people on uh, Wednesday night at our uh, Zoom prayer meeting. Um, and uh, it was just fantastic. I, I, we, we were just talking about this last night. We were so blessed to have Heather joining in uh, from hospital online using the technology. And she was part of the prayer meeting uh, whilst uh, the technology was working. Uh, and just it was encouraging to see the improvement in her. And uh, one of the girls that we were praying for, uh, a girl in the States who we know, uh, she's been here in the church many, many years ago when we had a missions team. And we found out just uh, the, during the week that she was really, really poorly back in hospital. And we, we heard just at the weekend that she's now off that ventilator. And uh, we're encouraged to keep praying for her. Uh, so if I can encourage you to keep doing that. So, but it's encouraging that she is off the ventilator and things are improving again. But we just need to keep doing the things that we're doing. There's just a tremendous power in just keeping going and keeping turning up and keeping being consistent. This week, I'm going to follow on from what I was saying last week. Um, I'm going to talk today about the power of context. So we started getting into that last week. We thought about God's call in our lives. Um, but we also thought briefly about how we can be conditioned by our conditions. Um, and it's just a thought that I want to develop this week. And the title of the message is The Power of Context. Context is the circumstances that form the setting in which we live our lives. I'll say that again. Context is the circumstances that form the setting in which we live our lives. But we are going to read Scripture. And I'm going to give you a little quiz question. Who can tell me who these people are? Shamua, Shafa, Egal, Palte, Gadiel, Gadi, Amiel, Sether, and Nahabe, and Geuel. Does anybody know who those people are? The ten spies. Well done. Ten out of ten. You get a bar of chocolate at the end. <laughs> the ten spies. But whoever remembers those names? Nobody remembers those names. However, we do remember the names of Caleb and Joshua. 
the names of Caleb and Joshua uh, just roll off our tongues uh, time and time again. And I want to go into uh, the Bible and read a little bit about their story. And it's a story about the power of context. If we go into Numbers chapter 13, that's where we're going to read from first. Numbers chapter 13 and starting from verse 26. So, there's the scripture references on the screen. That's where we're going to be going. Let me read from Numbers chapter 13 first. It says, they came back to Moses. This is the, the 12 spies who were sent out to spy the land of Canaan. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There, they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. And it says, but the the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. And then it says this, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report. In other words, they set the context. They set the context amongst the people by the words that they used, by giving this bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. And we saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak uh, come from the Nephilim. And as they speak, Caleb's words begin to fade away. (laughs) If you can guess what the picture is on the screen, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And again, they're using the words, they're using their words, the negative words to set the context for the rest of the people. And we look the same to them. Again, it's about context. It's about what they're saying about themselves. And we see this time and time again in Scripture, people setting the context and influencing other people. And there's a contrast, though, the two spies, Caleb and Joshua. And there's a depth of conviction in Caleb and Joshua. It says, of Caleb that he had a different spirit. Joshua was the one who ultimately took over from Moses and became the guy who was in charge. And Caleb was this man who then disappears off into the background until much later. But it says in Numbers chapter 14, 24, uh, 32 and 12, Deuteronomy 1, 36, and Joshua 14, 14, that Caleb served God wholeheartedly. And listen to what Caleb said. We're going to go into Joshua chapter 14, verses 6 through to 12. And now Caleb is speaking to Joshua. Joshua has taken over from Moses, 
And Caleb is speaking to him. He says, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh, from Kadesh Barnea, to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according, listen to this, according to my convictions. He served God wholeheartedly. It says of Caleb that he had a different spirit. Caleb set a different kind of context. He brought back a report in relation to his convictions, but my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. They set the context in a negative way. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. There it is again. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the desert. And then he goes on to say this, so here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I am just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. And then verse 12, I love this. He says, give me this mountain or give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself have heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. What an incredible account. Here he is 45 years later. I wonder how many of us would remember what we said 45 years ago and still have that conviction in our hearts that I want to see this happen. Last week I talked about that song, I want to serve the purpose of God in my generation. I don't want to have to wait until I'm 85 years old and be saying it all again and saying, when's it going to happen? I want it to happen now. I want it to happen today, this week, this month. And this is what it goes on to say in the passage in Joshua chapter 15, verse 4. From Hebron, Caleb drove out the three Anakites, Sheshai, uh, Achiman, and Talmai, descendants of Anak. These men were the very giants that they had spoken about. These men were the people that Caleb said, come and have a go if you think you're hard enough, but I'm going to drive these guys out. I'm going to sort them out. And he did. Caleb set the context. There was something within Caleb that came out and set the context. He didn't bow to the words of the 10 spies who brought the negative report, and that was 45 years ago, And all his life, there was something within him that continued to set the context where he served God wholeheartedly. And given the opportunity, he went, when he said, give me this mountain, he went and he took the mountain. He went and he set the context. Why am I saying all this? Because it makes me think about the giants that we face. We face all sorts of giants. We face health giants, relationship giants, circumstances which are out with our control sometimes. And I think about this giant, a modern day giant, and we can't even see it. And it's called coronavirus. (laughs) A modern day giant, and we can't even see it. Can't even see it. Personally, I think COVID-19 is a giant 
pain in the backside. <laughs> I don't know about you, you've probably felt all the same emotions that I've felt, the frustration, the anger, the fear, all the things that go through your mind. And I think about the times that we're living in, it's just one massive pain in the backside. The fact that we've got to be in church wearing masks and separated and all this kind of stuff, physically distanced, hopefully not socially distanced. But I've been thinking about COVID-19 as I've been looking at what's been happening in the church uh, over the last number of months and looking at what's happening in our own church uh, and, and saying, what, what, what's happening across the board? What, what's setting the context here? Is it COVID-19 that's setting the context? And to some extent it is because we're being dictated to by, by other things. But as I was thinking about COVID-19, I realized that this whole process that we've been in has been an accelerator. Things which have been waiting to happen have happened quickly. I think about going to church online. Those who are joining us on church online, we talked about this for quite a while. It was why we changed the broadband in the church. We changed our broadband provider in preparation for beginning to do church online. We'd begun to bring cameras into the church and just trying different cameras uh, and just kind of experiment with things. And then all of a sudden, we're dumped into having to do church online and go through this massive learning curve. I also think that COVID-19 has been a shaper. It shaped our thinking and our actions. And uh, I think possibly it can shape and condition our thinking and understandably because of the deadly effects of a virus that we can't see. We had to close the building, we had to close our groups, both young and old, and it's just been a strange, strange time. And then you think about all the conspiracy theories that have been flying around. You've probably heard some of those conspiracy theories as well, that COVID-19 has been caused by 5G uh, telecommunications, which is a total myth. Um, the, the, the conspiracy theory that it's Bill Gates who's trying to inoculate us all with trackers through the vaccination program. And it goes round and round and round. And social media, my goodness, sometimes social media is this big giant pain in the backside as well because of the things that happen on social media. And then the people who say COVID-19 doesn't actually exist at all. It's just one big conspiracy theory. It's there to control people and blah, blah, blah. And this is the world that we've been living in. This is what's been shaping the context for our world, or simply the fact <laughs> that for the first time on your favorite bottle of antibacterial surface spray, you recognize the word coronavirus, and it's been there all the time, and who knew? <laughs> we did it. It's like, whoever noticed the, the coronavirus word on that antibacterial surface? Did, has anybody noticed that before now? We, we were like, yeah, this protects us against coronavirus, your beauty. And it was there all the time. <laughs> it's affected our collective consciousness as a people. And as somebody said, we're all in the same storm, maybe in different boats. The reality is that this, has, this virus, which has been set in the context for us, has affected us all. But we may have experienced it in slightly different ways. We know that there are some people in a very different boat, people that the food bank has been able to help people that Answer has been able to help, people that other charities have been able to help. 
And then I'm thinking about this whole church online thing. There are those who are joining us today, hopefully, uh, online, and welcome once again. It's great that you're with us and stay tuned in. But I noticed what many other people noticed. At the outset of the pandemic, when we had to close the building, we had to launch into doing church online, there just seemed to be this surge of people tuning into church online. And everybody was talking about how amazing it was and how it was this great opportunity and people were joining in. Numbers were high and the church was surfing the wave of technology, stressful as it was for some of us. But then that trend started to shift and online attendance began to drop. And we saw it with our online gatherings as well. Attendance began to tail off on Sunday mornings. I tell you, it's been one of the strangest experiences prepping for a Sunday, recording Sunday as a family, editing Sunday, uploading Sunday, and then sitting and watching Sunday as a family. I'll tell you, it's been like nothing else I've ever experienced. Stressful as well. But that trend began to shift and people began to tune out on Sundays. It wasn't just us, it was other Assemblies of God churches, but then it wasn't just us as a denomination, it was happening across the board. And there's some Barna research which was done in the USA, and this was the headline on the article which I read, one in three practicing Christians has stopped attending church during COVID-19. That was on the 8th of July, 2020. Incredible. One in three practicing Christians has stopped attending church during COVID-19. And some people are drifting away from their pre-COVID church. It went on to say that 34% are digital church hopping. I don't know, I've maybe missed a wee bit there. Anyway, there's another statistic there that doesn't match up with my notes. Uh, or maybe it's this point here. 34% are digital church hopping. What was that? 81% of those who stick with their original church tend to tune in every week. And then this last bit, the data also revealed that those not attending church week by week bear more emotional burdens and struggle to agree with the statements, uh, with statements such as, I'm not anxious about my life as I have inner peace from God. The people who are not tuning in, who are disconnecting, are experiencing problems. That's what the research was saying. And I just wondered, I was asking myself questions about this. Did the novelty of the technology wear off? Was there too much choice? Were there too many distractions? When we were sitting in our living room, tuning into church online, there were distractions. You could go and get a cup of tea. You can't do that here because the kitchen's closed. This is a different remote from the one I normally use. This is why the presentation's flying all over the place. <laughs> but I think a large part of what has been happening is that we've been conditioned by our conditions, as we talked about last week. We've been influenced by the context in which we are living, conditioned, as it were, by the context. And I wanted to give an example. Um, some researchers met with a group of Bible students And they individually asked each one to prepare a short one-off talk on a given biblical theme, and then walk over to a nearby building and give the presentation. 
And along the way to the presentation, each student ran into a man in an alley, head down, eyes closed, coughing and groaning. And the question was, would the people, remember their Bible students, would they stop and help the man? And the researchers added in three different variables into this experiment. The first one was to ask why they had begun a study in theology. Was it to help people or was it just so that they could have a career? The second was that the subject matter which they had to speak on was different. One lot had to speak about, about the, the clergy and professional uh, sort of clergy and the religious vocation. Um, the other ones had to speak on the subject of the Good Samaritan. And then variable number three was this. To some they said, oh, as just as they were going to uh, give their talk, they said, you're, you're running late, you're a few minutes late, you better go, we better get going here. And just kind of putting that thought into their heads, you're running late. Whereas to the others they said, that's ah, okay, you've got a few minutes before they're ready for you, you might as well head over now. So some people had that pressure of time, and some people had, oh, we've got some time to spare, let's just chill out. And if you had to ask people to predict which group of Bible students stopped, the results are almost always the same. That those who enter the ministry to help other people and those who have that compassion within them and who've just studied the story of the Good Samaritan would be the ones who would stop. And it's hard to think of any other context which uh, norms concerning helping those in distress are more salient than for a person thinking about the Good Samaritan. And yet, it did not significantly increase helping behavior. This is what the researchers concluded. Indeed, on several occasions, the students going to give his or her talk on the parable of the Good Samaritan literally stepped over the victim as he hurried on his way incredible. The only thing that really mattered was whether the student was in a rush. And I just realized that this has missed two pages of my notes when I printed it off this morning. That's not very handy. Of the group that uh, was late, you're running late, that group that were told they're running late, regardless of what they were going to talk on, only 10% stopped to help. Of the group that had plenty of time, 63% stopped. Incredible, isn't it? 60, the, the results are incredible. And what the study is suggesting is that rather than the convictions of our heart, the actual content of our thoughts and, and content of our thoughts are less important in the end in guiding our actions than the immediate context uh, of our behavior. In other words, what's happening round about, that word, oh, you're late, has a bigger effect on people than what's actually in their heart. And I'm going to have to just access my notes on this, so I'll, I'll do that while I'm speaking. Hopefully we can find them. Just give me a little second. And it made me think about where we are just now and the things that influence us Sorry, this is going to take a wee moment or two. There we go. 
I just need the rest of my notes. There we go. Found myself. Could it be that our context reveals our true content? What's inside of us? The things that are happening round about us, the circumstances that we experience, do they bring out of us what's actually really inside of us? I, I think, by and large, they do. I think I see that. I can say that because I see it in myself. I see the circumstances that I face, sometimes bringing out the best in me, sometimes bringing out the worst in me. And <laughs> sadly to say it's true. Could it be that our context reveals our true content? Or do we have an inner driving force that keeps us on track with God, keeps us online and tuned in to God, to all that He is and is doing in our lives? I remember having the privilege of addressing some students uh, at Navigators one time, and uh, we were talking about temptation. And the illustration that I used was whatever is inside the toothpaste tube is what will come out. When the squeeze is on, when the pressure's on in life, what is inside you will be what comes out. And it made me think, do, do we really have the Holy Spirit living within us? Do we have the Holy Spirit living within us? Does, do, does the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit live within us and therefore, make us do and say things that are contrary to the context in which we're living. And we think about this. We, we, we talk about having Jesus living in us. I don't know if those who have been around the church long enough might remember the, the gym campaign, Jesus in Me. And it was this campaign to try and help reach other people for, for Jesus. I think that, that was back in the early 90s we did that in here. And Paul talks, about, Paul talks about Christ being formed in us. And he says in Galatians chapter 4, verses 19 through to 20, he says, You, my dear children, uh, uh, but I agonize in spiritual labor pains once again. Uh, sorry, you are my dear children, but I agonize in spiritual labor pains once again until Christ is formed, fully formed in your hearts. How I wish I could be there in person and change my tone towards you, for I am truly dumbfounded over what you're doing. For the people that Paul is addressing here, their behavior was influenced by the context in which they lived. If you've read the book of Galatians, you'll know that it's Paul addressing this church because they start to drift away from faith and start to put their trust in religious practices. The Judy, uh, the, the Jewish people are trying to make them, these new Christians, become Jewish in their practices and saying that they need to be circumcised and do all these things. Paul's saying, you need to put that stuff aside. You need to listen to what I've been telling you. And he's agonizing over these people until Christ is formed in them. And it just makes me think, where, where are we really at in this journey? Is Christ being formed in us? Does the Holy Spirit work in us so that we are the people who God wants us to be? These, these Christians were being deceived. They were 
wandering off from the truth because they were being influenced by the context in which they were living. They were being influenced just like the children of Israel all those years ago were influenced by the negative words of other people. We can be in the very same way influenced by the context in which we live, whether it's our words that we use or whether it's the circumstances that we face collectively together. And as I was preparing this, I listened to a podcast this week uh, where Mark Batterson was being interviewed. Mark Batterson uh, is the author of the book that we used at the start of the year, The Prayer Journal. I don't, uh, uh, some people found that very useful. And as I was listening to him, this is what he says, we, we experience anxiety and depression like everybody else. We get angry and we experience fear like everybody else. We're human. I don't know about you, I am a human being. I experience anxiety, I experience depression, I experience anger, I experience fear, just like everybody else. But, there's a button here. We also have this unique advantage that we have a couple of intercessors were double teaming, double teamed. We've got Jesus at the right hand of the Father, and we've got the Holy Spirit interceding for us with groaning. That's so incredible. This is what I've been thinking about, and this is what I heard in this podcast. And that's where our holy confidence comes from. We all have Jesus living within. We all have the Holy Spirit within. And our outward Christianity depends on our inner context, depends on what's happening within us. Put it another way, our inner context, or sorry, our context is revealing our inner content. Will we stick to our beliefs, principles, and values? Will we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, who is so much bigger than the crisis or the problem? I'm almost out of time. Let me give you some examples. You can find these names written all the way throughout the Bible. They're summarized, lots of them, in Hebrews chapter 11. Noah. Noah was asked to build this massive boat in the middle of nowhere. No water. Influenced by the context? Don't think so. Influenced by what God was saying, you need to build the boat because I'm going to bring a flood. And here he is building this boat in the middle of nowhere. Abraham, an old man, waiting on a son to be born, an old, old man, older than Caleb was when he took the land. Influenced by the context, his age, what surrounded him, what he saw, no, he was influenced by the promise of God, which he had given him. Joseph, 13 years of hardship. We thought about Joseph in the life of the church just recently, who endured hardship, separation, and isolation for 13 years, influenced by the context that he was in? No, because Joseph chose his own attitude. Moses, Moses had it all. Moses was in the palace. He was stepson to the Pharaoh. He had it all, and yet he gave it up. He even spent 40 years in a desert looking after sheep before the promise of God was fulfilled over his life. Caleb and Joshua, they saw what everybody else saw. And at 85, Caleb said, give me this mountain. 
not influenced by the context, but influenced by a deeper conviction in his heart that God is bigger than the context in which we live, and God can do incredible things. Think about Gideon. Gideon went from 32,000 men, an army, to 300 men, handpicked for a special mission. And it was mission impossible, other than the fact that God was in there. Influenced by the context, if you were, if you were Gideon, what would you have been saying? You've went from 32,000 men to 300. If it was me, I'd be having a bit of a panic. Think about Esther facing the extinction of her people, genocide at the hands or the whim of a jealous madman called Haman. And then her cousin Mordecai says, but who knows but for such a time as this. This is your moment. This is your time to shine. This is your time not to be influenced by the context in which you live, but to be an influencer in the context. Think about the three Hebrew youths. Worship an idol or face death. But there were four in the fire. Four people, and they were saved from it. Daniel, pray and face the lions. And he did both. He prayed and he faced the lions and God delivered him. And the question that I ask is, is our inner content greater than our outer context? Is what God is doing in our hearts greater and pushing back out into the world in which we live? Newton's third law says this, for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction. It's all about forces. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And I think about this. This is just, I'm a picture person. I think about myself and I think, is there enough in me that's pushing back out at the world which wants to influence me in a negative way? And, you know, we're using things like online. There is so much that wants to, these days that we have access to freely, that wants to influence us in a negative way. Ideas, images, thoughts, perceptions. We, 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 we just tune in week by week to our TVs, and there is so much that wants to influence our context. And I think, is there enough in me pushing back out at the world and resisting the temptation and resisting all that's going on? Or am I being overcome by all these external forces? I think the circumstances that we've been living in are like those external forces pushing in on us. And we need a greater force pushing out than all the forces that are pushing in. And a strong inner content only happens through developing those spiritual muscles. Then we will have the inner strength to push back on the world and its pressures. And sometimes I think our prayer lives revolve around God coming and changing our context. And I understand that. And I wonder sometimes if God is more interested in changing us on the inside so that we're able to push back out into the world and all that will influence us in a negative way. I wonder, I wonder today, and for those who are tuned in online as well, I wonder if when the squeeze is on, what comes out is what you really think should be coming out. Is our inner world ordered? Do we have a clear vision of who God wants me to be? Have you heard the call of God in your life, and are you responding to that, regardless of what that looks like or where it takes you? 
For some of us, it's standing here. For some of us, it's working in an electronics company. What is God saying to you? How has He called you? And are you living out that call? Are we living daily with God in His Word and in prayer? God wants to have this relationship with us. He wants to interact with us day by day. Or are our thoughts all over the place? One day, living like a Christ follower. The next day, you would barely know the difference between you and whoever that doesn't know Jesus. Sometimes we can be like that. One day we're, we're up and one day we're down. And it's like the grand old Duke of York, you know. When he was up, he was up. And when he was down, he was down. And sometimes he didn't ken where he was. When the squeeze is on, what's going to come out? I just want to encourage us today to think about our inner content. Think about how we're feeding our souls today, feeding our spirits, feeding our minds. What are we feeding on day by day? What are we allowing to influence us? Are we being overcome by the context in which we're living? Or are we pushing back out at that because of what God is doing in us? I encourage us to press into God and to press into all that He has for us today. Not to be influenced by the context. I understand that we live in difficult days. We need to take cognizance of the fact that we live in a dangerous world at the moment with all the, the, this giant that we can't see. We need to be careful about that, totally, but not be limited by it to the extent that we become in fear that we're not actually able to do anything. I want to encourage us to remember that God has called us to a mission and that that mission continues despite what's happening in our world. Let's just pray as we draw our service to a close. Father, we, we just thank you that you're able to do the impossible. Father, you're able to do things which we can only imagine. But Father, you're able to do even more than we can imagine. And we, we pray that today that you would come into our hearts. Lord, that you would strengthen us at the core of our being. Lord, that there might be this inward conviction that is an influence on the world in which we live. Father, that we would actually begin to influence the context that we would begin to change the context in which, which we live. Lord, we realize there are many things today which are out with our control, but Lord, we know that you are in control. We, Lord, we know that we can come to you with everything and anything. And so, Father, we just ask that you would come and that you'd help us. Lord, for those who have become uh, at times overcome by the, the context in which we're living today, and Lord, I've been there myself Lord, we pray, come and help us, come and strengthen us, come and give us the inner resources to overcome the context. And Father, we pray that you would develop character within us. Lord, we pray that you would come and that you would be present in everything that's happening in our lives. Lord, that you would help us to be able to push back out to the world in which we live. Lord, like, like Caleb, he held on to that dream. He held on to that conviction. And he was able to say, 45 years later, give me this mountain. I'm going to take this mountain. Father, we pray that you would do something within us that would be a driving force in your church, not just this church, but the churches in this area. And Father, we pray that you would just continue to do your work in us as we serve you day by day, week by week, and month by month. Lord, we pray for wisdom for your church in the days in which we live. Lord, we pray, uh, Lord, that you would help us to, to continue to follow you, to serve you, 
to love you and to love other people at the same time. We ask these things in Jesus' name. I just want to thank everyone for being here today. Thank you to those who have joined in online. We just pray that you have uh, a great week. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. And uh, we just pray that we begin to be the influencers uh, in our context. Whatever that means for you as you go home, uh, as you go to work this week, whatever it looks like, that you become an influencer in your context, that that power of God within you comes out and pushes back into the world in which we live. So may he be glorified. And just before we finish, I do need to take photographs. Thank you, Mary, for reminding me. Uh, sorry, I hate doing this.